1: It is the Advertising Show. Welcome back for another great weekend here. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth with you. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show being a big radio midgets production means it's going to be jam-packed with a lot of great stuff. We have... uh... Uh, Loaded load of the bases, so to speak. Uh, Patrick Myers with us. uh, Joe Jaffe, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz. uh, The Wacky World of Marketing. And uh, this hour, it will be, and I'll let you debut this because I forgot to ask you before we uh, started doing this. Is it good or bad, Brad? We're doing good. All right. right. good. That's great. That'll be later on this hour, too. And, of course, uh, a good friend of the advertising show. His name is Alex Ben Block, and he is a columnist with uh, Television Week uh, magazine, and if you're a fan of the show, you've heard, uh, you've heard Alex before, and he's always a great interview. He's got lots of stuff to talk about, and uh, we'll give him uh, the whole two hours to, uh, to join in the conversation. And he'll be joining us here in just a, just a little while on the advertising show. That's a mouthful.
2: So yeah. what's, what's cooking with you? Well, you know, uh, I was hoping to uh, share this last week and uh, didn't have a chance, and it's still timely. On November sixth, the UK viewers, uh, many of course of our viewers around the world, listen through theadvertisingshow.com, dot com, and uh, in the UK viewers of the much anticipated football match between Manchester United and Chelsea uh, will get their feast uh, that will get to feast their eyes on another kind of uh, visual uh, spectacular, that being uh, during the entire pre kickoff commercial break. Uh, it will be filled with a two and a half minute spot launching sony 's new bravia television set i don 't know if you 've been hearing about bravia? this but no i haven 't heard yeah. that one but. well apparently it 's you know a really uh, exciting new unit uh, obviously a uh, a digital unit that's being put out by, uh a HD uh, unit being put out by Sony. But what's exciting about this spot, and I had an opportunity to look at it uh, through adcritic.com, was the fact that the spot itself, which was created by Fallon out of London, uh, actually follows a rainbow of colored balls in flight uh, to the tune of about 250,000 bouncing balls through the streets of sure San Francisco. Right, yeah. I don't know why the U.K. would have a... Uh, a spot set uh, in uh, in San Francisco. I guess that's a, a very well known uh, uh, around the world, a well known environment. Yeah, it's a it's were.
1: identifiable landmark, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, I think so. So set to a uh, a soothing folk song by Jose Gonzalez of the Swedish pop uh, pop tune uh, Heartbeats. Um, this particular spot, if you haven't had a chance to see it, it is just unbelievable it's in weird, terms yeah. of yeah, and and not only that, but it's interesting that you know we're now seeing as some are moving to a uh, shorter uh, uh, format for, for radio and, and television commercials. Here, You've Sony's two stepping up right? yeah, with a two-and-a-half-minute spot. So if you uh, if you live in the U.K., you're bound to see that. Uh, uh, let's see, November 6th. That would have been just this past uh, November 6th. And by the uh, way,
1: you can go to oneshow.com, and they have it there as well, because we did it yesterday uh, wow. on, the, on the Internet, so it's there.
2: Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, AdCritic.com is a a subscription uh, requirement. So if you don't subscribe, what was that uh, site again? It's it's OneShow.com. Yeah,
1: and it's a really, really cool place. A lot of great creative up there, and we. uh, we, uh, It's funny you brought that up too because we watched that uh, yesterday. Like I said, pretty cool.
2: You know, there's a tendency to think that that's all uh, done through special effects. And I've been told, and what I've read about it, is that it is not special effects. It's all It was all done uh, shot live. <laughs>
1: that makes it even more amazing, doesn't it?
2: Where did they get all those balls gathered up after they created that? I don't know. I do not know. I do Pretty not cool. Know.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a gas. Watch it. It's really cool. Joe Jaffe is with us here. Uh, 1984 Revisited. Let's, think, uh, let's see what Joe has to offer us here. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring
3: author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe.
4: On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce the Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Well, forget that. Let's fast forward to 2005, when Apple introduced their iPod video, and the ability to download and view your favorite ABC television program's Literally 24 hours after they first premiered or aired on television. Is this the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Whichever way and whatever perspective you have, this is going to forever change the whole landscape. I went onto iTunes and I downloaded an episode from ABC's Desperate Housewives for $2. For $2, I was able to get 43 minutes of content and eradicate 17 minutes of ads. Whether the $2 that I spent was for the content or for the ability to have deleted or skipped or just forgotten those 17 minutes of ads, things are forever changed. What will this mean for branded entertainment? What will this mean for the future of the 30-second spot? I will tell you one thing. Hold on to your seats because it's going to be one hell of a ride.
3: This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe, LLC, and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to GetTheJuice.com.
1: That's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Always good stuff, and it sure is nice to have Joe uh, be a part of the show. Isn't it, Brad? Oh, yeah. Good to have him here. Uh, bird flu. <laughs> bird <laughs> flu. Ooh. It's a big thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's uh, coming our way. Uh, Yum Brands. Uh, is predicting actually a loss for a bird flu scare? Yum Brands is KFC. Mm-hmm. If the the avian flu reaches North America, it's prepared to combat a scare with advertising to alert consumers that fully cooked chicken is safe to eat. Wholesale poultry sales have dropped in Asia as a result of consumer fears of an avian uh, flu pandemic. So, mm. but uh, but they're uh, they're you know they're all set and they're ready to launch uh, some alternative advertising. I think it's very interesting.
2: Yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, I would have a tendency to find another meal ticket, you know, if, you, if we're really dealing with something like that. What do you think? Are you going avoid, to avoid the foul at that point?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with something safe like sushi. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I like sushi, but no, I, I don't know. I really don't know. You know they had the they had the uh, the London uh, what was it the Mad Cow stuff, right? Uh, and I don't know whether that affected uh, sales. I would
2: assume. I
1: would assume. It oh yeah, did.
2: but they did uh, over there. We had the issue up in uh, wasn't it Canada that had uh, an issue with that? And and uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, and as well in United addition to as well, yeah. yeah,
1: very interesting. But uh, yeah. bird flu, and as far as what to eat. I'll just have a beer and some peanuts. Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Uh, no. You know, our, our uh, utility outfielder here at the Advertising Show, pinch hitter, all-around uh, go-to guy for when we're in a pinch, Tracy Prater, uh, who deserves a, a huge round of applause for a lot of work he's been okay, doing behind me, the on. scenes. Thank Is that you. Good? Okay. Yes,
1: That's not huge, but, but
2: it could be. It could be. If you just visually multiply that by a 1,000, you've got a huge uh, applause there. Yes. But, you know, as you well know, Ray, and, and, and uh, deservingly so, Tracy Prater has been a huge uh, behind-the-scenes help for us on a number of issues we've been dealing with, and we won't bore you with those issues. But just wanted to also, Ray, recognize a gentleman by the name of Martin Vasquez, uh, cu- customer engineer with uh, MusicCom, and Robert Cobbs also with AdTran Communications, customer engineer as well, and thank both of them. For their effort behind the scenes on working out some technical issues here for us.
1: Did you know that we, we got actually uh, Tracy a spot, a parking spot here at the, uh, the studios?
2: <laughs> well, he deserves oh, we it.
1: Yeah, we did. <laughs> and he's also on a pension now, which I'm not so sure is a good idea, but that's okay. <laughs> as long as he doesn't go union, we're good to, uh, good to go. Oh, yeah. Alex Ben Block is going to be joining us here momentarily, a columnist with Television Week Magazine. We've got him for the two hours uh, for the advertising show, and we hope that we have you too as well. Stick around with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
5: I'm Ewell Givens. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my breakfast. This is a wholesome cereal made from wheat and barley. These natural ingredients are baked into crunchy nuggets and fortified with eight essential vitamins.
1: It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I'd go for the cattails, Brad, but I think I'd want them with either my special salsa or with some queso. Just something like that. We are, uh, we are pleased to be uh, with you here on the advertising show. As we said before, our special guest uh, this hour and next is Alex Ben Block, a columnist for uh, Television Week, a trade newspaper based in L.A., owned by Crane, which also publishes Advertising Age, a sponsor of the show. Alex writes a weekly column about personalities, trends, and news, and broadcast, satellite, and cable TV. And every time we get him on the show, we can't get enough of Alex, which is why we get him back. Is that right, Brad? That's what his wife says. I mean, yes, that's
2: what we say. <laughs> that's
1: what you say, too. Alex, welcome welcome back
2: to the Advertising Show.
6: Thank you very much, and thank you for the kind words.
2: Yeah, Alex, uh, before we jump into everything television, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, an upcoming book that you're working on right now, if you're at liberty to talk about it. I'm curious, uh, what's your topic, and, and where are you with it?
6: Well, I'm uh, not ready to talk about it in any detail. I'll tell you in general, though, that I'm working on a nonfiction book that deals with the future of television and uh, many of the issues that uh, we've talked about on this show about what I consider to be literally a revolution going on in television right now in terms of the way it's produced, delivered, distributed, and viewed and uh, with the power shifting from the networks to the viewer and the viewer having more choice and more freedom to watch what they want, when they want and these days with portability where they want as well And so I'll be happy to keep you updated as we go forward.
2: Well, that that sounds fantastic. Uh, I, for one, would would, uh, line up for that book. Do you have a publisher already?
6: Uh, Not yet. We're in the process of uh, working on a deal right now.
2: Great. We'll make sure and keep our audience posted and have you on as we uh, not only talk about the uh, writing of your book, but of course, of course tell everyone about when it comes out so they can get to the bookstore and purchase that book. Poor Aaron Brown. You know, I was a fan of his, and I know many are. Uh, Anderson Cooper, the way I understand it, he, he saddles up next to Aaron for a few broadcasts, ratings go up, and uh, Aaron's out. Well, what, what's going on here, Alex? Well
6: First, I have to agree with you. I happen to be an Aaron Brown fan. I know uh, there's some mixed reviews on him, but I've actually found him to be a real journalist and a solid news guy and somebody who really is passionate and cares about uh, what he does and, and the content of what goes on shows that have his name on it. Uh, but during the hurricanes that went on in the Gulf Coast, uh, as you said, uh, some new personalities developed, including Anderson Cooper, who really showed a lot of spunk out there on the trail and a lot of passion and a lot of... Uh, feeling for people, and as a result, he got some very nice publicity, and uh, CNN, which is obviously a commercial enterprise looking to boost their ratings, made the decision to give Cooper more time and to uh, eliminate Mr. Brown, and uh, I think uh, Cooper's now on three hours a night, which is a lot, and there's always a chance that that could be overexposure or burnout. But he's got a pretty nice persona. He's fairly easygoing, uh, even though he has his moments, his flashes, of passion and so forth. But uh, he's pretty watchable. So I personally am sorry to see Aaron Brown out. I predict he'll end up uh, doing something interesting somewhere else. He's a a real professional and a a terrific news guy. But uh, Anderson Cooper is the hot ticket right now in uh, news, at least at CNN. And whether or not he can get CNN out of their ratings blues and make them more competitive with uh, the Fox News Channel, We'll
2: have to see. Yeah, Aaron Brown certainly will uh, fall on his feet somewhere. And for those that may not be familiar, tell everyone who uh, Anderson Cooper's uh, mother is. Very famous person. Uh,
6: What is her name? Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, Gloria Vanderbilt.
2: Yeah. uh, surprise for me. I remember uh, seeing an interview on Anderson, and he had an interesting background. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him, but how he got into the business is a very interesting and unusual uh, way that he went about that. And for those that uh, are interested, I guess uh, Google the guy, and you'll find out. You mentioned the hurricanes. Uh, do you feel that Hurricane Katrina and, and Rita uh, have affected TV news media as far as their reporting and coverage of uh, catastrophic catastrophic events uh, are, are concerned, Alex? Uh, I
6: think that, uh, it, this coverage has had an interesting impact in a number of ways, and it's come about at, uh, at kind of a time that the news business is in a crossroads anyway, deciding who they are and what they're going to do, having taken a lot of criticism for the way they covered uh, the walk-up in the beginning of the Gulf War, and in some cases uh, taking whatever they were told by official sources as gospel without checking it thoroughly enough. And now we know that a lot of that turned out to be based on false evidence. For, watching the cases go on with uh, Scooter Libby and so forth and questions about what, who knew what when about the build-up to the war. But I think what it's done to the TV news business has reinvigorated it and uh, recreated the idea that uh, they have a right to ask questions and, in fact, they have an obligation to really go beyond uh, press releases and, and what they're told by glib officials and PR people. And I think that's a healthy thing, and I, I, I welcome it, and I hope that we'll see more of it in the future.
2: Yeah, well, that's interesting. I, I, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, this seems to be a week that people are being giving the giving the yank. Uh, we have uh, Bud Paxson, uh, longtime uh, uh, TV uh, mogul, founder of Pax TV Network. Uh, he's now out. What can you tell us about uh, Mr. Paxson and uh, Pax TV?
6: Well, Bud Paxson, you know, became famous by founding a shopping network. And in doing so, he acquired a whole string of relatively small UHF and VHF TV stations and when shopping went out of fashion or moved to cable, really, uh, he converted those stations and tried to create what is essentially the seventh over-the-air broadcast television network. And in doing so, he got into business with NBC Universal, and he launched an ambitious slate of uh, supposed family-oriented programming and good news shows. Uh, unfortunately, it drew flies in terms of ratings. NBC became dissatisfied with the way things were going, and... That ended up in a lot of lawsuits and uh, some vicious negotiations that have gone on now for several years, and that finally can pretty much concluded last week when NBC made a deal under which Bud Paxton will uh, be bought out for millions of dollars, and NBC will, uh, I can't say they take control, because what they're doing is they have they're, they're about 30% of the business but because they already have too many TV stations under federal law, they can't own these TV stations. So what they're looking to do is to find a partner who will come in and run the stations, but with a lot of input from NBC and possibly uh, you know, an ongoing basis with NBC programming, but NBC itself won't own the stations. So what we have so far is a failed experiment, but what makes it important for the future is not that there are a bunch of little UHF stations here and there, Is that each of these stations is under must carry regulations and has to be carried on cable. And in the digital age, which is coming upon us fast, each of these analog signals can be converted into five or six new channels on a digital tier that then may also get must carry status. And so uh, instead of owning 50 TV stations, they'll own 250 TV stations. Hmm. And uh, this, you know, in, in this new world of. Uh, choice where people are going to be narrowcasting and selecting channels more narrowly, uh, this is seen as important real estate in the uh, spectrum of the future. So that's the incentive to buy this company. At the moment, it's losing money like uh, the Titanic's sinking in the Atlantic water.
2: And before we uh, conclude this segment, any figures on uh, Mr. Paxson and how much NBC's paying him?
6: I believe he personally is getting, this time around, about $25 million. Huh. Uh, previously, so. NBC had invested in excess of $400 million, but I guess most of that went to operating and programming costs and so forth. And, uh, I'm not sure how much went to Mr. Paxton, but I believe he's already a millionaire anyway.
2: Yeah. Ray, how much time do we have left in the yeah, segment? over a minute, Brad. Oh, uh, okay. We, uh, well, go, go for it. Yeah, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, CBS.com, who streamed three rebroadcast uh, episodes of the network news sci fi drama Threshold last week for the first time ever. I'm curious, do you think this is uh, following WB streaming and, and perhaps the success of what? Well, here we go with the music. We'll have to wait for that, I guess, Ray.
1: You, you know, Brad, it was a really good question, though. I want to <laughs> congratulate you on that question. Yeah. You know what well, Alex you. reminds me of? A computer, You or, or Google. Alex is Google. You punch in a question, and he comes up with 10,000 answers. Yeah. And I suppose when you live and eat and breathe this stuff, you just know it. But that's amazing, Alex. Uh, you probably should go on a game show, I guess, too.
2: Or maybe write for a magazine.
1: <laughs> it's Alex Ben Block, our special guest on the advertising show this week. Uh, Alex, uh, columnist for uh, Television Week. We've got lots more with Alex and uh, a whole bunch more with Brain Brad, too, so stick around.
0: And now it's time for the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott.
3: Our wacky update heads to Columbia for the baby marathon. About 600 babies are expected to compete in a crawling marathon in Colombia. They'll have to crawl for 5 meters along a track in Cali City Center. Now the route along the city's Bolivar Walk will be specially covered for the race. Babies aged 8 to 18 months are eligible to compete for the top prize of a diploma and a bag full of baby goodies. How's that for a promotion? And that, my friends, is the Wacky World. Of marketing.
0: This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and, unfortunately, the true, wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
3: Decided to get a testimonial for Scotty's. We went right to the top.
4: Achoo. 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 That's what I like about a Scotty. It's a tree sneezer.
1: And at this time of the year, Brad a lot of three sneezers there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that time of the year. The uh, Tickle his throat. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Durante here on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest, Alex Ben Block, is a columnist for Television Week. Uh, you've uh, been listening to the show before. You've heard Alex before. It's always a treat to have you on, Alex, and uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, Alex. Uh, before the break, uh, we were teeing up a question, and for those uh, that may not may have missed that, CBS.com uh, streamed three rebroadcast episodes of the network's new sci-fi drama Threshold last week, which uh, was a first, I guess, for CBS. Uh, I'm curious, what, what do you think of uh, this? particular uh, form of, uh, of uh, channel using by CBS yeah, streaming, something a conservative network like CBS I would not uh, expect to do. And I'm, I'm also curious if you think that they were uh, following a bit of WB's streaming effort that they made uh, not so long ago. Well,
6: there's no question they were following the WB, which became about a year ago the first network to broadcast an entire show over the Internet in advance as a marketing and promotional tool. And that's what this is really seen as uh, for CBS, as well as for the WB and some others who are doing things. Uh, The kind of things you're talking about is really meant to get people to sample shows. It's so competitive out there. There's so many viewing choices that anything that uh, a network can do to get people to pay attention to their show is a positive. Now, the most important thing is that you have a show that when people see it, they might actually care and want to come back and see it again. So you have to choose your shows very carefully, uh, because you can really turn people off with this as well as turn them on. But if you have a show you believe in, as the WB Network did uh, a month ago with Supernatural, uh, this is a way to put it out there, especially if it appeals to that audience that is a heavy Internet user, uh, which tends to be uh, the younger male and female demographic. That doesn't mean uh, us uh, old codgers don't use it as well, but uh, television appeals to the 18 to 49, and the Internet appeals to the 18 to 49, so it's a natural matchup to use that as an Internet, uh, the Internet as a tool for marketing, and I think we're just going to see more of it in the future.
2: Yeah, I guess what caught me off guard was seeing uh, uh, typically an older demographic network, if you can generalize such as that, as with CBS uh, stepping out and doing that, but uh, uh, yeah it 'll be interesting to see how many others uh, other networks follow in you know we 've uh, heard and read and seen a lot about martin uh, Martha Stewart living op- omni media and certainly uh, Martha Stewart herself all over uh, television and and uh, other media. her low ratings for Martha and the apprentice TV shows as uh, as well as third quarter losses for her company I think of uh, given everybody I th- a surprise going in. Uh, give us a, a little bit of a taste of the world of Martha, according to Alex. I, for one, you know, thought the American public loved to come back, but apparently this is not the case with Martha.
6: Well, you know, you got several factors at play here. First of all, Martha Stewart launched almost simultaneously two television shows. One is a daily syndicated strip that airs in morning and afternoon time periods across the country. The other is the once-a-week uh, apprentice Martha Stewart, which is a companion, of course, to The Apprentice starring Donald Trump. And it comes from the same producing team, uh, to an extent. Uh, and while the daytime show is doing okay, not great, but good enough to stay on the air, the nighttime show has been a real disappointment. And lately, even Donald Trump has been taking some shots at uh, Martha Stewart's version, <laughs> saying he never thought it would work. And it's actually hurting the ratings of his version of The Apprentice. And, uh, and he's not happy about the whole thing, even though he's one of the executive producers. Uh, It's hard to tell exactly what people think, uh, except that The Apprentice is a show that appeals to kind of upwardly mobile, career-oriented, business-oriented people, because it's really about business. And uh, when it's Donald Trump doing it, apparently the authority there and and the stuff that happens uh, is more compelling, because when you have Martha Stewart doing it, it's not drawing nearly as strongly. I think also that both shows suffer from an overabundance of product integration deals. In other words, a lot of these shows seem like giant infomercials. They make a deal with uh, a food company or a fast food uh, provider, and then the whole episode is built around the apprentices uh, on either show figuring out how they're going to boost the sales of that company or writing an advertising slogan for that company. You know, that may be clever occasionally, but uh, even the public begins to see through it and see it's just one big marketing plug after another, and it gets very tiresome. And so unless you have amazing personalities and uh, a strong leader like Donald Trump, these shows quickly can wear out their welcome. And I think in the case of Martha Stewart, she wasn't all that welcome to begin with, it turns out.
2: And I know you're a big fan, as as we are here on the show, of Donald Trump. You had the, the privilege of interviewing uh, Mr. Trump in his office in New York City, and I, I, I'm uh you've always had a lot of good things to say about uh alex, about uh, uh donald i'm curious when i read recently alex which i could not believe and maybe it wasn't really true i don't know i don't believe everything i read but when i heard donald trump coming out and saying that his less than spectacular ratings this year may have something to do with uh with uh, Martha's poor ratings and confusion out there and viewership. I, I, I felt that was a little, I don't know, less than honorable to be coming out of Donald Trump's mouth. Did you hear that? And if so, is that truly attributed to him? And did he really say that? And tell us that in less than 30, from 30 seconds.
1: From a loyalty
6: point of view, it was inappropriate that he would badmouth his stablemate. But if you look at it from uh, the business point of view, he may well be right. They are diluting the franchise. There may just be too much Apprentice on television, and and the audience for it only needs to see it once a week. They don't need to see it twice a week.
1: We've got to take a break here, uh, Brad. uh, On the Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our very special guest out of Los Angeles, Alex Ben Block, columnist for Television Week Magazine. We're going to come back in just a minute with more of Alex on the Advertising Show.
0: make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy this is the advertising show
7: So he knows stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo, Flintstone vitamins are good to chew with vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Hope your body work and grow right.
1: On the advertising show is Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our final segment of this hour with uh, Alex Ben Block, who's economist for Television Week magazine. As, as I said before, Brad... Wind him up, let him go, and uh, we can go pick up our dry cleaning, right? Or right. Something like that. <laughs> go, go right ahead.
2: Yeah, welcome back to the show, Alex. Uh, we talked a few segments ago about uh, NBC's acquisition of uh, PAX TV, and uh, uh, here I read that uh, NBC Universal Cable Entertainment announced plans last week to launch a new channel called Sleuth. Now, before you uh, give us your take on this new venture from Universal, I'm, I, I thought that there was already a few networks that uh, had tried to serve the crime and mystery audience, in particular <laughs> and CBS, Court TV and A&E, and I, and I don't know that they did uh, did a good enough job to suggest there's a market there. What, what's your take on all this?
6: Well, I agree with you. There's a question about whether we need another channel that deals in this kind of material. Uh, Universal obviously thinks there's a place for it. They also think... That uh, NBC Universal has enough marketing and uh, muscle and leverage to go in and get carriage on cable systems and on uh, particularly as digital systems continue to build out and spread. Uh, the Sleuth Channel is essentially a way to repurpose the existing library materials, particularly the TV library of Universal and NBC. If you remember back to the the golden oldie days of the 70s and 80s, the Universal used to be the TV factory that produced one mystery, sleuth, uh, detective series after another. Our shows that uh, often dominated the ratings periods uh, back in those days. And all those shows are now sitting in the Universal Library. NBC has paid this enormous amount of money to buy Universal. And one of the ways you make money off that is not just uh, airing those shows when you can and where you can, but creating an entirely new channel that in itself has a huge value and adds to the overall equity of your operation. And so that's the idea here, is to create channels that will have value and will extend the brand and will give NBC Universal more shelf space. So when they go to the cable operator, they're negotiating carriage not just for NBC, but now also for Bravo and the USA Network and the Sleuth Network and other things.
2: So they package. Are you saying they package when they negotiate for all programs originating from NBC Universal Cable then?
6: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, they package not only in order to get uh, sell more, but to get more on the air and to take up more of your time and more of your cable space.
2: So it's one of those, like the old days, uh, if you want these three, you have to take this one along with it. It's like uh, they used to do with uh, syndicated programming.
6: I'm not sure, you know, for legal reasons that it's exactly like that, but in <laughs> practice, that's how it works out.
2: Yeah. Well, let's go to humor for a moment. A strong debut for UPN's Everybody Hates uh, Chris, uh, and then it fell nearly a third among its uh, core audience, 18 to 34, but, but yet uh, stays strong with the teens and the tween viewers. Uh, you know, can a show like that, or any show for that matter, I guess, uh, that originally wanting to uh, appeal to a, a much broader audience, can it survive on just a teen or tween viewer alone?
6: It can, if it's on UPN. They're just thrilled with the ratings they've ended up with. Uh, even though you're right that the audience is down from the much hyped preview and beginning of the series, uh, it's still a big improvement over what UPN has experienced in the past. And I think the show has found a core audience both among African-Americans and among young people. And there's some viewing by, certainly by other demographic groups. But for UPN, this is a show they know how to sell. And it's going to be very lucrative for them, and the ratings are good enough. Uh, They've already uh, ordered more episodes to carry them through a full season. And uh, even if it's not the blockbuster of the moment that everybody hoped it would be, it's a solid success uh, by UPN standards, and it's a show that could continue to grow.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, some ABC-oriented questions here. Steve Bocco, uh is now, or Bacho, I guess. Uh, how do you say that?
6: Bacho. Bacho. Bacho taking talk. over
2: for ABC's commander in chief. Uh, curious. Uh, do you feel c- uh, commander will move in the direction of West Wing now that uh, n- with a more serious and complex plotting with with uh, Bacho involved?
6: You know, I actually have uh, talked to all the principals involved here, and I wrote a column about this, and I don't believe that's the direction it's going to move in with more serious plotting like West Wing. I think, in my guess, you have to go back to something more like um, some of the earlier series that Botchko did, uh, including uh, St. Elsewhere and uh, and some of the police series he did where he mixed both uh, uh, very intense, dramatic, topical stories with kind of offbeat, almost goofy humor. Because what they're looking for with Commander-in-Chief is not the sophisticated, narrow, intellectual audience. They're looking for a much broader audience uh, that includes all the family members. And that's why this show isn't just about issues like West Wing or about the personalities of the senior people. It also is about the family life of the president and the problems of the kids and the kids going to school and her husband and so forth. Uh, is is
1: obviously an appeal in that direction. Okay. Hey, Alex, uh, we've got to take a break here on The Advertising Show. Back with more next hour with Alex Van Block.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show.
7: Good morning. Are oh, you not my daisies?
3: Right, Mother Nature. They're Chiffon's new daisy servers
0: taste. Oh, it's my sweet, creamy butter. Nope,
3: it's new chiffon margarine. Chiffon has the fresh churned flavor of butter.
0: It's chiffon margarine, not butter. Oh, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. If you think
6: it's butter. You got
1: uh, a little chiffon there for your toast here, right, or something like that, whatever. <laughs> on the advertising show, Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth. Every, uh, by the way, we're going to get Alex on next hour again so if you didn't get enough of Alex and you probably didn't uh, it's good that we'll get him back uh, next hour as well every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising unfortunately there are two sides (laughs) and uh, we we do a pretty equitable brand I think this week it just happens to be good
0: and now it's time for the advertising show's advertising showcase an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff here's Ray and Brad
1: so, Brad, what do you have there this week?
2: Well, uh, usually we, we feature spots that are about to break or or anticipating or recent breaks. This spot's been on the air for a while. It's for Comcast. The title of the spot is uh, Pyramid Comcastic. And if you haven't seen it, it's a 60-second spot out of uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners from San Francisco. And uh, you remember the old $20,000 Pyramid game show, don't you? Sure, right? I do. I
1: remember when it was a $10,000
2: Pyramid. <laughs> well, Go it's ahead. very old. They're right. are uh, well, right. The spot starts out, if you haven't seen it, as an uh, actual. Coming off the set of the game show using real footage from uh, a past show, as Dick Clark uh, explains as the opens. Uh, All right, you've got $20,000 at stake here. This lady is fabulous. Good luck. Here's your first subject. Go. And then they start uh, back and forth. And by the way, the female featured in this spot, they usually have a celebrity. The female is MASH's Loretta Swit, if you haven't seen the spot. And the first clue is things that are good. And the clock starts counting down, and uh, Loretta is saying high-definition TV, amazing picture quality. Contestant says things that are good. Okay, so now we're going on to the second question, and Loretta says high-speed Internet, faster downloads. Contestant responds, things that are great. Bell rings, acknowledges that it's a correct answer. Loretta moves to the third question, moles, warts, satellite dishes. And then the contestant comes on, things that should be removed. And, of course, the answer is yes. And so they go on back and forth with uh, this, and they end up with the final question, which is everything we just talked about, and it's kind of a recap here, HDTV, high-speed Internet, free on-demand movies. The contestant answers, um, things that are comcastic. And so Loretta jumps up, yes, and the bells are ringing, and they're dancing and embracing and all that, as they usually see. Uh, when you 're watching some winner, win twenty thousand dollars on TV, and the spot ends with an eight hundred toll free for Comcast as well as the Comcast uh, logo. What I like about this spot in particular is that uh, you get a sense that that everybody uh, watching this on screen action uh, is really glued to the TV because the uh, the spot is is very intriguing. I mean, say what you will about. Uh, the kind of corny cornball uh, approach here what you basically have is a, an outstanding example of overdubbing where they use this uh, old uh, footage and they're able to match it up perfectly with uh, Loretta Sweat and the contestant. And, of course, Ray, there's nothing worse, and we've all seen it, right. when you have a great concept and a poor execution. And in this case, Comcast nails this one. It's use, it uses the uh, fundamentals of TV, that being sight and sound, and it truly does compel the viewer to watch, as I said earlier. And uh, if you look at the cubes on the uh, game show as they turn to each particular subject, what they're doing here is they're able to handle what would normally be boring features to be described, uh, and and they turn right around and do it in a clever setup and they do it in a clever answer and question type of approach as was the case with the $20,000 pyramid and sure. as the excitement builds uh, and the embracing and the jumping up and down and the win, all of a sudden you finally get the payoff in understanding that it's Comcast and they figured out a way to take boring subject matter and liven it up considerably with this uh, game show scenario so congratulations to Comcast and their agency, could be Silverstein's partner at uh, uh, out of San Francisco and they've done an outstanding job have you seen the spot right oh i have
1: multiple times yeah so they got their frequency of three on me so i'm gonna go to <laughs> well, comcast right
2: they do i mean is it the fact that we they that we see it and we can't avoid it that mean that seems like it's on tv so often i know it was on the uh, world series frequently and it was on television prior to the series so i
1: think it's just a wonderfully executed media plan that's yeah
2: all. it is it, it is concept. true
1: so yep. that's a, yeah, and I've seen the spot numerous times, as I said, and love the spot as well.
2: And you being uh, an audio guy, and, and uh, you, you probably, like many people that are more technical savvy, you look at the lips closely to oh say, yeah. how are they getting this new, new, new uh, uh, audio tracked in on uh, Loretta Swit that surely wasn't describing this during the original, and yet you look for the nuance uh, uh, mess-ups there, and it's just an uh, an exact match in how they did that.
1: Yeah. Well, they can do it nowadays. <laughs> they yeah. have the tools, and it's really cool to see uh, to be able to do that.
2: Well, you know, one that's done a good job, but they haven't been great across the board on all, was the. Uh the bank card that did the, uh, the the lady or the man, and they'd be talking in a different voice, and it had to do with... Uh, oh,
1: yeah, 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 when you got your bank card stolen.
2: Like, yeah. Or your identity they, stolen, I Yeah, say. they did some good, but they did some that weren't quite a good match, and, you know, it was a good example of not being consistent, I guess.
1: Howard Stern off the air and on the air this past week because he was promoting his new location. So mm-hmm. they took him off the air for one day. So what do they get? More they big, publicity. More publicity. Yeah. Hey. How dumb is that? Okay. So, anyway. Hey, uh, more with Alex Ben Block uh, next hour on The Advertising Show. also want to direct you to the website, theadvertisingshow.com. It's where you'll find podcasts, RSS feeds, and that's where it's at. A lot of great stuff there, theadvertisingshow.com. The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine, and you can visit online at adage.com. Back with Alex Ben Block next hour. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets
0: production.
1: And it's hour number two of the advertising show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising show, a big radio midgets production. Were you with us for hour number one? If so, you heard from Alex Ben Block and a lot of good stuff going on. We'll have Alex back this hour with us for more conversation out of Los Angeles about television. He's a columnist, Television Week magazine. And uh, always a lot of good stuff to say. And I feel like when I... when we talk to Alex, we almost get a crystal ball look of what's going on because he seems mm-hmm. to know <laughs> things that other people don't know. All right. So it's it's kind of cool. This hour, we also have uh, Patrick Meyer with us. Uh, Jeffrey Gettmer will be with us here too. Andy Borowitz a little bit uh, a little bit later on this hour. So. A lot of good stuff too. Ray Shillens and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show.
2: What do you got? There? Yeah, and you know, last uh, segment we were talking. I just mentioned briefly about the uh, city. I think it was Citibank card that was doing the. Uh,
1: I think you're right. It was City. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was doing the uh, identity theft uh, issue, and you know, it's interesting because I came across uh, this piece which mentions that City uh, has launched a uh, TV and print campaign touting its simplicity credit card program. Uh, which I thought was a new departure from what I thought was a a fairly clever uh, campaign with their identity theft. But uh, nonetheless, I guess you can only play that out so much. But the card... Uh, City card makes it easier for consumers to use their credit cards, pay their bills, and get to talk to customer service representatives faster. That's this is joke. part of the this that's is part joke. of the campaign. Yeah, and for well, for me, just simply the fact that you can get a uh, a, a service rep on the phone if you have a credit card mm-hmm. that's enough reason for itself to have that particular card.
1: I will not name the card. I have tried to call. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Impossible to get through. I looked on the bill. There's a number there, but you can't get through. Mm-hmm. You can't, and my my God! So they've got a good thing going, I guess. With
2: that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Any, I think uh, you know there are a lot of companies like that where just by virtue of the particular category of business, if they were to wake up to the fact that you're going to uh, upgrade your customer service aspect, now all of a sudden you're uh, you've got a leg up on all of your competition because I don't know anyone that, uh, as you just said, Ray, that has a, a good time dealing with customer service reps when it comes to your credit card, with the exception of probably American Express. I've had. Yeah. Uh, a good experience with them but other than that the other card companies seem to be uh, dodging you it was funny. We got a call this past
1: week from American Express wanting, you know, sir, you can have more business gold cards. Well, you don't want, I don't <laughs> yeah. want any more business gold cards. We don't need any more. Yeah. Yes, sir, but yeah, well, what about the people? Do you use cash or do you write checks? Well, we write checks. <laughs> like, oh, come on, lady. Give it up already. Have a nice That's day. Funny. Go on to the next sucker, please. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got uh, Alex Ben Block on the way in here in just a little while uh, with us uh, for hour number two on the advertising show. Another longtime uh, friend of the show. It's uh, Patrick Meyer. Let's check in. With Patrick right now.
3: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
7: Today I'm going to talk to you about now versus not now. Over the last six months, we spent a lot of time listening to consumers. And one thing I heard still echoes loud and clear. This one male consumer in his 20s said, You need to understand the power is with us. The internet, word of mouth, we're now empowered. Let me share with you the new dimensions as we define them. The first is smart value activists. They seek out value with search engines and the internet and word of mouth in a whole different way. Number two, the consumer is looking for what's new, what's different, new features, new services. Number three, word of mouth on steroids. This is all about cell phones, text messaging, email. Rapidly you'll find out whether something's cool or hip. Number four, The consumer doesn't think about channels anymore. They think about all their options, and they work them interchangeably. Number five, search engine gurus. Their first move is to Google, to Yahoo, to the Internet. This completely changes the value game because they do their shopping before they walk into the store. Number six, when 74-year-old women are going online, you know the world has shifted. Everyone's tech-enabled. It's just a question of what level. Number seven, the joystick nation a hundred million households in the United States have some form of video game and more coming every day. Number eight, the consumer can imagine things you can't even believe. They've seen cell phones with cameras, they've seen cars with GPS and they can imagine so much more and they want it now. So what does this mean to you, your brand, your client, your world? The now consumer demands now marketing.
3: You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing.
7: This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of NOW, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. That's some good stuff from uh, Patrick Meyer on The Advertising Show. In uh, just
1: a few moments, we're going to get back into conversation with Alex Ben Block. Uh, He is the columnist of Television Week magazine, and... uh, Uh, Just a great person to have on the show. You know, Brad, we have those folks who uh, come back again and again and again, some that actually join up with the show as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Alex is always a great conversationalist, and we look forward to uh, getting back with him uh, here in just a minute. Now, I found this interesting. This is, um, you know, this past week. It says, uh, Arbitron has delayed satellite and online radio measurements. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't Clear Channel just buy Arbitron? Then they'd be all done. (laughs) Terrestrial broadcasters insist they're not nervous about satellite radio's 7 million subscribers, but they successfully stalled Arbitron's plan to add satellite and online radio listening to its diary measurement system. How very interesting. Mm
2: -hmm. Very interesting. Well, it is interesting, you know. It kind of makes you well, you know. Satellite. I mean, uh, yeah, satellite. A lot of people mis mis uh, misthink that that is a commercial free environment, and it's not. No. Uh, but most people, I think, are under the impression that it is. So that's the reason why needing measurement, and certainly the same thing with online uh, audiences. But I think if you look at where the dollars are. Uh, the dollars are not uh, going to those two media in big numbers right now. So no, I believe no. Arbitron has their hands full yeah. uh, trying to move to the uh, PPM, the pe- uh, personal people meter, portable, portable people yeah. meter, I should say, uh, technology. And, they, you know, so I think they've got their focus in the right right area there, don't you think, Ray?
1: I think so, yeah. Arbitron, they said, was originally scheduled to instruct their diary keepers to record their satellite an online radio listening in the fall of 2005 book, uh, Arbitron now pan, plans a 25-market test of the process in February of 06 and will delay full implementation until summer of 2006 at the earliest, which is an interesting time to be measuring because that's normally a, a little bit weaker book for many formats. So be
2: that interesting is interesting. But, you know, When you think about it, I, I would imagine a lot of the diary uh, uh, recipients were not necessarily – uh, qualified as satellite listeners because I mean that 's a small market, sure, and then same thing with uh, online, although online listenership is growing as with, as with our show and many other shows mm-hmm. uh, around the world uh, so there so it 's uh, online I think has a greater interest in uh, Than satellite, although Howard Stern has done a lot to uh, sell some more uh, Sirius satellite units, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's still a very very small market. I don't have to tell you that. But uh, a lot of people hear so much about satellite, but they don't realize what such a minuscule uh, number of subscribers to both Sirius and XM. It's 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 really a a non uh, a, a non issue at this point. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Lots more to come. Good conversation, too, on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. want to remind you to go to theadvertisingshow.com. That's a great place to uh, pick up the podcast, the RSS feeds, and uh, see a lot about what's going on in the advertising and marketing industry. Back in just a minute with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and Alex Ben Block, columnist with Television Week magazine, in a moment on The Advertising Show.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
2: Cut.
6: Reload. That's a complicated-looking machine, isn't it? Funny thing is, a lot of people still think that taking home movies is that complicated, too. If that were true, believe me, I wouldn't take them. For instance... He's reloading the film. Let me show you how easy Kodak has made it for you and me with a Kodak Instamatic movie camera.
1: That is a classic spot. Dick Van Dyke talking about something that he should know a lot about, too, right? Films and all that kind of good stuff. On the advertising show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, and uh, our number two here as we're in, uh, we continue our interview from Los Angeles. That's uh, uh, Alex Ben Block, columnist for uh, Television Week, and uh, welcome back to the show, Alex. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, as promised last hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about ABC. We ended talking about Steve Bochko and uh, uh, certainly a well-known producer of many uh, well-known programs. Uh, West Wing, uh, I guess it was a week ago tonight, Sunday, uh, the West Wing aired a live uh, fictional presidential candidate uh, uh, face-off, I guess you would call it, with, between Alan Alda and Jimmy Smits uh, and, and what was supposed to be a loosely scripted uh, televised debate. I saw a little bit of it. I'm curious about what your thoughts were and if this was a wise move by NBC, and then ultimately how did it do in the ratings?
6: Well, actually, it gave the show a boost in the ratings, and it turned out to be a pretty smart stunt by NBC and West Wing. It uh, got people who had who were fans of the show but didn't always tune in to make an appointment and show up for this one. And so uh, from a ratings point of view, it did give them a little bump. And I think also from a perception point of view, It showed that they could be innovative and that they uh, were on the cutting edge, and I think that's a good thing for the show that uh, some people think is already running out of gas.
2: And I recall reading somewhere, and I'm sorry I can't quote any names, but there was some controversy around uh, 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 utilizing some NBC news or sports people in in a way that was within that uh, drama environment and some question as to the legitimacy of that move. Do you know what I'm talking about, Alex?
6: Well, there's a lot of questions these days. News organizations used to be fairly easy about letting their news people uh, be part of a fictional environment. Often uh, the creators of a fictional show like to bring in real news people because it makes us seem more authentic. And uh, a number of news organizations have banned this practice because they think it's deceptive and, and that it uh, hurts the reputation of their news people. And I think in this case that same controversy flared up.
2: Hmm. Yeah, well, well, continuing with ABC, a sophomore hospital drama, Grey's Anatomy, a big fan myself of that particular program. I'm told immediately after this year's Super Bowl, uh, February 5th, 2006, that they will be uh, following the Super Bowl with that uh, with an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I'm curious, why wouldn't ABC use this uh, prized time slot to promote a promising midseason show or perhaps a, a first season series?
6: Well, you know, I think that they see Grey's Anatomy as the blockbuster hit of the future, and they're trying to put a jet engine on the back of it and and propel it even more. They also know that they have a show that when people watch it, uh, for the most part, they're quite taken with it. It's a very seductively interesting, sexy, smart show in a lot of ways. Uh, And interestingly, even though its uh, time period is, uh, you know, after Desperate Housewives, which is a big hit show, Grey's Anatomy is actually bringing in New an additional audience that wasn't watching Desperate Housewives, so it's a hit on its own. Uh, the real question for me is it's a show that skews very female and tends to have a heavy audience of women, and yet the Super Bowl skews very male, although right. of course it's really a family event as well. But why would you not put more of a male oriented show after the Super Bowl and, and use it as a launching pad? And I think that's the question ABC is going to have to answer if this experiment is not successful.
2: Mm. That, that's interesting. And just a final question, uh, ABC question. How, how are they doing? And you mentioned uh, uh, Desperate Housewives, which really was the turnaround point for ABC. Uh, how are they doing now in their second year as the, what was last year the highest-rated broadcast TV network?
6: Well, CBS was the highest-rated broadcast TV network, actually, uh, closely followed by Fox. And then ABC was third. Oh. And ABC, that's terrific for ABC because they've been fourth, even fifth, uh in the marketplace before, uh, but I think ABC is having another good, solid year. They're very pleased with the progress they've made. They've been able to take uh, not only some shows that worked last year, like *Desperate Housewives* and *Lost* and *Grey's Anatomy*, and uh, continue with those, but also bring in some other new shows that, uh, that you know are beginning to work for them somewhat. So I think uh, ABC things are looking up at the moment
2: excuse me, I guess I I got so carried away with their turnaround with the one program, I moved them into first place. So CBS and Fox first and second. You mentioned Fox. Uh, Fox News reporter Geraldo Rivera has decided to to go back into syndication after a seven-year absence. A good idea for Geraldo? What are are your thoughts, Alex? It's a
6: great idea for Geraldo. The question is whether it's a good idea for the rest of us. Uh, You know, I happen to like Geraldo. I think he's got a lot of guts and a lot of moxie and he really sees himself as a journalist, and he brings a lot of passion to the process. He's done some things that have made him a joke in some quarters. Uh, he's been caught doing a few things that uh, weren't quite as uh, appropriate as they should have been, uh, like reporting from a war scene, and then it turned out he was actually in a different place than he said he was. Uh, but on the other hand, he's got a lot of uh, nerve to go into a war scene and to go and do the things he does, uh, and he's trying to bring that to this new syndicated show. This is really part of a larger plan. Since Roger Ailes took over the operation of a Fox station group and syndicated production, he was looking for something out of Fox News that he could launch through that system. And Geraldo is his boy, his baby, and uh, this is their effort. And so far the ratings have been mediocre to poor, uh, but it's something that may take a while to get sampled. But the show itself, if you're watching, is very fast-paced. There's some interesting stuff on it, and uh, it's not... Orlando doesn't stand around, you know, telling you how wonderful he is. It's really about the news. So, if the uh, folks at Fox have some patience, they might well find an audience.
2: Hmm. Well, staying with Fox real quickly, uh, our home market, uh, where our program originates in Houston, although we do have a worldwide audience and other uh, broadcasts around throughout the U.S., uh, I'm, I'm moved to have to ask about this year's World Series and uh, mixed results on, on ratings with. Uh, the third and fourth uh, largest markets uh, competing, I I would have expected uh, a better rating overall. Could it have been the teams? What are your thoughts there, Alex?
6: Well, the teams do play a big role. If you have uh, a team from New York and a team from Los Angeles playing, you have the number one and number two markets engaged in that, and it pumps up the ratings, there's no question. In this case, the ratings were the lowest they've been in many, many years, Uh, and The games, first of all, there weren't very many games. It was over in four games, which was not good for the network because it limited the amount of time they could sell. Uh, But in addition, three of the four games were kind of lopsided and decided fairly early on, and so uh, the audience didn't stick with it. And so uh, from a ratings point of view, it was pretty disappointing. Fox, however, says that they're not that disappointed, that they're sticking with it, that they're happy they got baseball, and they plan to continue with baseball in the future.
1: We've got uh, Alex Ben Block here on the Advertising Show with uh, Ray Schill and Brad Forsyth. You know, Brad, Alex's uh, resume here looks like my rap sheet from uh, my days as a broadcast person.
2: Well, I'm Did, glad you qualified that rap sheet as a broadcast.
1: Miami, you'd be able, <laughs> we're, we're all, Southern California. never made it there. Almost got it there. But uh, anyway, Alex Ben Block is with us here on the Advertising Show. Well, I want to remind you to go to the uh, the website here, theadvertisingshow.com, and uh, check out what... Uh, uh, all the great things that are going on in the industry as well, too. We have a couple more segments with Alex, and we're happy to take a break now. And uh, we'll come back in just a moment and uh, more of the advertising show. Stay with us.
3: on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. There's an old business adage that says,
5: all things being equal, people want to do business with their friends. And all things being not quite so equal, people still want to do business with their friends. In fact, it's estimated that more than 74% of sales are made with business relationships but are kept because of friendship. In the South, you may know it as the good old boys network, but it's really just friendship selling. If you're going to make the sale because you have the best product, the best price, or the best service, you better dream on. You're not even half right. Look, if 74% of the sales are made on a friendly basis and you haven't made friends with your prospect or your customer, You're missing 74% of your market. And the best part is that friends don't need to sell friends by using sales techniques. I mean, come on, think about it. You don't need a sales technique when you ask a friend out or for a favor. You just ask. Looking for more sales? You don't need more sales techniques.
3: You need more friends.
0: make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
6: Colgate Toothpaste, the tooth toughener. How can that be? Well, it contains advanced MFP fluoride. It's the only toothpaste that does, and it does toughen tooth
7: enamel. With tougher enamel, the children won't have so many cavities. It's that simple.
1: On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest Alex Ben Block, a columnist for Television Week magazine out of Los Angeles and welcome back to the show Alex Thank you
2: Yeah, One final question before we get into the technology side of, uh, of television Alex, uh, any thoughts on what you would consider the breakout hit of the uh, year so far this year?
6: Well I think NBC is just thrilled about My Name is Earl and uh, the acceptance that that show has gotten um, you know, I think uh, there are several other shows that uh, we we talked previously about. Uh, Everybody hates Chris. I think uh, UPN is very happy with the way that's going, um, and I think there's you know several other shows that uh, that have promise.
2: How does how NBC's uh, The Office doing? Uh,
6: not terribly well. It's uh, for some reason NBC loves the show and keeps bringing it back, but the ratings have been fairly mediocre. And, uh, and the critical reaction has been kind of mixed as well from what I've read.
2: Hmm. Well, Microsoft, it appears, has emerged as the leader uh, in the bidding wars to do a deal with uh, AOL. Uh, as usual, I understand that we've got a bit of an ego issue here as to who's going to run this deal. What, what can you tell us about Bring us up to date on that.
6: You know, if you followed the saga of Time Warner, uh, it was acquired by AOL and then later shed the AOL name, and what it now is referred to as one of the worst business deals in the history <laughs> of the world. Uh, but the AOL asset still turns out to be quite valuable, and now Time Warner is trying to figure out, under heavy pressure from investors like Carl Icahn, to cut costs and to raise money and to make changes that will boost the stock price, they're looking at AOL as a tremendous asset. And so there have been a parade of bidders who have come in offering to buy it or merge with it or partner with it in various ways. And the latest scenario has uh, Microsoft, the the great giant software company, merging their MSN service, which is number two in the market, to AOL, with AOL, and that would give them the the dominant service and allow them to compete with people like uh, Yahoo and some other companies, Google, for instance, that uh, have really come into the marketplace and become very powerful forces very quickly uh, in this information revolution. Hmm. And so it makes a lot of sense. The problem is, who's in charge? I think the answer is if Microsoft will pay enough money, they could be in charge. And if they don't want to pay enough money but they still want to be partners, then Time Warner is going to be in charge.
2: Hmm. Well, we'll keep uh, keep our ears to the ground on that and, here, and uh, look for uh, who who comes out the winner. Is it a is it foregone conclusion that Microsoft will, will be the buyer of AOL?
6: Oh, absolutely not. Uh, anything could change. Somebody else could step up. Uh, for Time Warner, this is all about getting the most money they can. Uh, Interestingly, this week, a memo was leaked that Bill Gates sent to senior executives a few days ago in which he said, uh, essentially, that Microsoft is in a bad position and that the Internet revolution is happening much faster than they ever imagined and that they're getting beat by rivals like Yahoo and Google in a number of ways and that they have to make some moves right now to get back in the game and that this is uh, a a truly uh, important time in their history. And uh, what they do, the acquisitions they make, how they respond is going to determine whether they remain a market leader or not.
2: Yeah, uh shifting gears for a moment. I think uh you know what 10 years ago, you say VOD and uh you know, Ray's ready to go to the doctor to have something looked into. No, no, uh, to, to, today we uh understand that in a deal with Comcast, NBC, and CBS are offering many of their shows as a VOD or video on demand offering soon after they first air. I'm I'm curious is uh it's really an interesting idea. I guess they're they're kind of taking a chapter out of the uh, iPod and downloading uh, single shows for instead of an entire uh, CD nowadays. What, what can you tell us about this new Comcast deal?
6: You're absolutely correct. It's a success of the iPod deal with ABC, which has seen about a million people pay to download some TV shows in the last month. That seems to have inspired NBC and CBS and uh, and others to want to get on the bandwagon here. And this for broadcast. This is something that 12 years ago, 10 years ago, they said they'd never do, and now they're doing it. And essentially, uh, this is not good news for local stations. But for the network, it's another way to get the show seen. And more importantly, Broadcast sees this as a second revenue stream. Cable, you know, makes money from both advertising and subscriber fees. Broadcast only makes money from advertising. Broadcast is very jealous of that. Now Broadcast can have the second revenue stream where they can put their shows on video on demand and you pay 99 cents to watch it uh, within a week after it happens, when you want, how you want, at any hour of the day or night. And that becomes additional revenue for them. And so uh, they're plunging ahead into this. The two deals are quite different. CBS is offering shows like uh, CSI and Survivor and uh, its big hit NCIS and Amazing Race. And they're going to be on the Comcast systems in cities where CBS has an owned and operated station uh, by early next year. And that's going to be quite a few homes that they'll reach. Whereas the NBC deal is with DirecTV to be part of a new uh, digital video recorder system, uh, a variation on TiVo, that really is just beginning to be sold, and it could be a long time before that has enough penetration to really be a major uh, revenue producer.
2: Any risk of uh, these programs ending up as a free exchange through uh, the Internet, uh, peer-to-peer type networks that get created and uh, changing out uh, or trading off uh, programs that they download?
6: Well, there's always that risk, and certainly a lot of that is happening. But, you know, as we saw uh, recently with Grokster, which gave up after a long legal battle and said it will now convert, it's shutting down its free service and will convert to a paid service for music. Uh, the copyright owners are quite vigilant these days, and they're suing anybody who sets up a mass operation to exchange their shows. And uh, on the video front, they're they're more on top of it than the music people were. So it's going to happen, but uh, you're going to see continuing efforts by the copyright holders to control it as much as possible.
1: It's a uh... We're going to take a break here, Alex, on The Advertising Show. The votes are coming in, and they say we want more Alex, so we'll bring them back next segment, too. This is Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe back in a moment.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. What
6: is this, a sleepwalking concert? Where's your laugh, your Come on, kid.
5: Wake up! Thanks. I it that. If you need waking up, slap
1: on some skin. We don't need waking up. We're wide awake here on the advertising show. That's because we've got a great guest like Alex Ben Block, columnist for Television Week out of L.A. Alex, welcome back to the advertising
2: show. It's a lot. a pleasure. Yeah, we are talking about different uh, distributions of uh, traditional program channels, etc. Last month, Alex, Rainbow Media created a stir by announcing the launch of the nation's first day-and-date program uh, in which movies are released uh, in theaters and on video-on-demand at the same time. Rainbow's plan, uh, of course, is to acquire uh, independent films then launch them simultaneously theatrically and through their own VOD service. What, what do you know about uh, this particular service? And I'm curious if this has caused Uh, any kind of negative reaction within the industry?
6: Well, it's being done through the IFC channel, which is a cable channel owned by Rainbow, which in turn is owned by Cablevision, the big cable operator based on Long Island, New York. And uh, this is a controversy that is stirring up the industry right now. A number of uh, film directors, including uh, M. Night Shyamalan, the director of Sixth Sense, recently came out and blasted the industry for even considering changing the system of release windows, the sequence in which uh, product is released from theatrically, followed by uh, home video and so forth. Um, and a lot of people believe that this is going to destroy movie going the theaters, which is already down for a number of reasons, including the fact that a lot of people prefer the home theater these days to the out-of-home out of theater. Uh, so there's a lot of controversy about it, and we're about to go to uh, video distribution of movies. is going to happen in the next couple of years. The deal has finally been made for the studios to pay for the exhibitors to make the switch over to digital, and so it allows for even more rapid distribution uh, of, of movies. Uh, and there are some movies, particularly those, the independent-type film that would play at a Lemley Theater or a Landmark Theater or on the IFC Channel or the Sundance Channel, It'd probably benefit by day-and-date release on video, on TV, as well as in theaters, because they're kind of narrow movies that need all the exposure they can get. But when it comes to big blockbuster movies, Hollywood is still quite resistant. And there are some people, including a group led by Mark Cuban and, uh, and Steven Soderbergh and others, who are actually making movies, planning to release them both on TV and in theaters at the same time. But for most of Hollywood, they prefer to keep that sequence in place and to milk each Uh, window for as much revenue as possible before they move on to the next uh, window, Hmm. but the reality is it's all getting squeezed together. The release on home video and pay TV and free TV seems to be going quicker and quicker and quicker as people try to exploit these products and kind of fly through the system. So I personally think it's very damaging to the industry to not have the patience to uh, release these in each of the appropriate windows, uh, one after the other. But in some cases, it does make sense, and it seems inevitable we're going to see more of it.
2: Well, along the lines of non-traditional channels, uh, iPod, TV downloads, all in the news lately. What's up with that?
6: Well, iPod, as we said before, is a big hit. Uh, ABC made a deal, as did some other content providers, uh, and you can now watch whole TV shows over the iPod. If you've seen them, the screen is uh, small, but it's actually quite a good picture. And uh, you can plug, uh, put a plug in your ear and listen, and wherever you are, you can take your media on the go with you. And uh, so far, it seems, at least with the early adapters and the affluent audience, to be something they like. And portability is an issue. People increasingly want to be able to take their media with them, whether it's a DVD player in the car for the kids, or sitting on a subway in New York City watching a, a TV show, or sitting on a subway in Tokyo, where this is already very popular. Uh, people like their media, and uh, they want to have the best quality and the content they want when they want, but they also want to have it where they want, and that's the future of television.
2: Do you own a, uh, a TV version, iPod?
6: I do not uh, currently own an iPod. I have sampled it, but I don't own
2: one. Yeah. Uh, MTV Networks announced recently they uh, hired prominent media strategist Michael J. Fox as president and uh, chief operating officer. Uh is MTV struggling with their core audience? Well, why the move there, Alex?
6: I believe it's Michael Wolf who they hired.
2: I'm sorry, what did I say? Michael Fox. Oh, oh sure.
6: Fine actor, but not the it, of
2: it says Wolf here on the TV. Yes.
6: Michael <laughs> Wolf is actually a very uh, terrific uh, consultant and uh, a true visionary about the media business. I've known him since he was a young man, and uh, he's been a consultant for Kinsey & Company in recent years, and he's just really smart about this stuff. He, uh, he sees way down the road, and that's what you need right now. MTV's an inter- interesting situation. On the one hand, we think of them as the cutting-edge network of young people. On the other hand, they're pretty fully distributed around the world at this point, and it's not enough to just say, well, let's open up a few more foreign territories. they got to find new platforms. they got to find ways to be on the iPod, to be on the PDA, to be on the cell phone, to be in your home in different ways and to uh, be part of the environment in, in more ways. I think that uh, Michael Wolf is the kind of guy who can give them that kind of visionary leadership. So I think they made a really good
1: choice. On The Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, as always, time goes so quickly. Thanks to Alex Van Block, our special guest. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
6: Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner,
5: watching all the Fords go by. Standing
1: on the corner, On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, you know, I could see Alex probably singing bass in that group. He'd be, <laughs> be good, wouldn't he? Just singing up the rear of the four lats. Thanks to Alex Ben Block, as always, a wonderful friend of the advertising show and a columnist of uh, Television Week magazine. Next week, we have somebody special, and uh, she, she she's a real fun and funny lady Sally Hogshead. And she's the creative director and author of a thing called Radical Careering, and it's a real interesting book. You know, Sally comes from a marketing background, right? Radical Careering is uh, really very useful in the marketing industry, I guess, in the advertising industry. But it's a look at how you uh, how you market yourself, basically, and, and hmm. you know, wh- how, how do you get from here to there? And uh, she's a wonderful lady. We had a chance to meet her uh, in the Houston market when she was uh, in town for a Houston Advertising Federation function. And the audience loved her, and uh, so did we. So it'll be fun to have Sally on next week as well. Yeah,
2: heard a lot of good things about her. And uh, our friend of the show, Tracy Prater, was uh, instrumental in uh, offering her an opportunity to appear on the show. And looking forward to that. I've heard a lot of good things about her, especially through you and Tracy.
1: Yes. So she better be good, huh?
2: Well, a lot of pressure.
1: I hope so. Sally, if you're listening, you better be good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, real quickly, Ray, I know Uh you're about to jump into the Borowitz piece there. ESPN, we've been talking a lot about television today. ESPN agreed with the National uh, Hockey League recently, as recently as just this past Monday, to provide highlights on cell phones and other new media platforms. The agreement gives video and data rights to ESPN.com as well as to the cable network's mobile phone and broadband services. So, you know, ESPN, uh, stay. bang on the, on the cutting edge there by getting rights uh, to National Hockey League uh, data and information and using it on new platforms, good mm. for them. Wow. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> That's all yeah. I have to
1: say, smart. Yeah. And uh, we should all, you know, we always talk about local versus national or whatever. Uh, local advertisers need to wake up to this opportunity as well. They can mm-hmm. do stuff like that. They can, they can right. be a little bit cutting edge. And meantime, living in another world is is Andy Borowitz. Oops, here we go. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. In a joint appearance on CNN's Larry King Live with her husband, former President George H.W. Bush, former First Lady Barbara Bush offered a strikingly upbeat appraisal of the situation her son, President George W. Bush, finds himself in, telling Mr. King, things are working well for him. Speaking of her son's plummeting approval ratings in the wake of the indictment of Vice Presidential aide Louis Libby, Mrs. Bush seemed completely unconcerned, telling Mr. King his numbers were already in the toilet anyway. Mrs. Bush also offered words of encouragement to Mr. Libby himself, saying that in spite of being indicted on five counts relating to the ousting of a CIA agent, things are working well for him. Even if he goes to prison, Mrs. Bush said he'll be getting three square meals a day and he won't have to worry about Dick Cheney always stealing food from his plate. Attempting to change the subject, Mr. King asked the former president how he felt about the ongoing trial of his former nemesis, Iraqi strongman Saddam Hussein, but before he could respond, Mrs. Bush interrupted. Things are working well for him, she said, adding that from what she could tell, the former dictator had lost a significant amount of weight and that he's never looked sexier. Moments later, the former president was seen crawling across the floor of Mr. King's studio, unplugging a cable and plunging the broadcast into darkness. Elsewhere, the network scored big ratings with Halloween-themed programming, including an appearance on 60 Minutes by Camilla Parker Bowles. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of The Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. I don't know. Andy's writing was a little bit vicious this time, Brad. Yeah, I don't know. But, but we <laughs> just read the <this> stuff, okay?
2: He <laughs> <laughs> mentioned uh, Larry King. Uh, did you catch uh, earlier this week? Uh, Ted Koppel was on uh, Larry King Live. No, I, didn't. It was a very, no, very I did very, very interesting interview. I thought you know, uh, big fan of uh, a lot of the changes that are going on in the in tel- television industry. A big fan of uh, Ted Koppel, as I know you are, Ray. And you know, a lot of the uh, old guard are moving on to other things. Sure so. they are. Yeah. Good show, though. Yeah, very good. Uh,
1: good. Here's something. I picked this up uh, earlier this week. Uh, In-store product puts digital display ads beneath shoppers' feet. We've had the sticky things on the floor before that Mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, you look down and see. But it's uh, apparently uh, Intellimat, the company is called has patented a computer mat less than an inch thick that turns retailers' floors into, into yet another space for brands to advertise. Essentially, it's a PC wired to a store-wide computer. The mat's sturdy but thin enough to roll a shopping cart over, and it uh, plays ads with sound uh, as, at shoppers uh, walking on it. Isn't that huh. cool?
2: It's a pretty good idea.
1: It's, uh, have, nine, you seen the,
2: have you seen them out yet?
1: No, I haven't. They're 9900 no. $9, bucks a piece. It's a four-screen <laughs> plasma mat is being uh, shipped to... Uh, shop, that is, to grocery stores and drug stores uh, nationwide, so it's
2: huh. kind of cool, huh? Interesting.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, what is it called? Oh, and Telemat is in Roanoke, and it's uh, financed by Incubator, the egg factory. Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, look hmm. for, look for stuff beneath your feet now, okay? <laughs> and look all around you, it's everywhere, even on billboards and all that kind of stuff. We had a good time with Alex. Thanks again. Uh, Sally Hogshead is with us next week on The Advertising Show, creative director and author of Radical Careering, and we look forward to that conversation. Had a good time? Tell your friends about The Advertising Show. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. Don't forget to go to the theadvertisingshow.com for more, including podcasts and RSS feeds.
7: The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.